Lost in all the questions of life's strange and secret ways Is there meaning in these moments that fill our number days? Are we dreaming that we're here? Is this so- Welcome to Living Room Therapy. Visiting us today is Dave Small. I've always liked the name Dave. I'm not sure why. Dave and Reed have been good friends since they were kids. He must be a special guy to put up with Reed for so long. Go on in. See you soon. Fantastic. Welcome, Dave. Should I use your last name, Dave? You can, you can use my middle name as well. Our special guest on Living Room Therapy this week is David Matthew Small, one of my very oldest friends. I'm Reed. I'm the wild card. That's Paul over there. He's the smart one. And that's Jacqueline. She's the smart, pretty, and friendly one. Uh, disclaimer, do not take any advice from us, therapeutic or otherwise. You would be crazy to do that. And that is an official diagnosis from me, a real life therapist. Um, any questions, email them to Jacqueline. And any comments, email them to Paul. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you who Dave is, everybody. So imagine me in the third grade. Uh, I walked into Mrs. Scrivenich's office. Uh, everyone else was already there. I think it was probably three days into the year or something. And the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the secretary, as we used to call them, took me in and she said, Mrs. Scrivenich, this is your new, this is your new student, Reed. And she said, oh, Reed, is that your name? And I said, yes, ma'am. And everybody laughed. And somebody, it could have been Rex Parrish, said, why did he call you ma'am? And she said, because he's polite. And so my year was ruined that day. But Dave was, uh, Dave was there for me. And uh, we've been uh, friends ever I, since. You, so here's the thing, Reed. Now you're finally talking with somebody who has a, a memory of things that is even surpasses your own. So you think you were, you came in on the, what, the third day of the, of the class? I came in in that same class on the day before Halloween. You were there for a, for a month or two before I got there. Okay. So, okay. So, so you weren't there I wasn't for me. there. I was... to hear you say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you know who was there for me was Victor. Victor was there. Yeah. We're going to be talking more about him. He was... He was a, a third grade classmate and he was shivering in Texas during this recent uh, catastrophe, this weather event that everybody heard about. He, 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 I called him up and I said, are you okay? And he said, I'm really cold. I've had to open the refrigerator to warm up. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like four degrees, you know, so your refrigerator is 33 degrees. So he was, he, he was making a joke, but it made sense, uh, which, is, which is not like him. He usually makes a joke and doesn't make sense. But um, anyway, he had a half hour of electricity and then a half hour off and then a half hour on and a half hour off for four days that went on. So I know Vic, we, we, you know, yes. he was the same school for years and years and years. So Vic and I go way back. 
<laughs> now there's now Dave has an adult but, story. But now. in the same way that you've got to be careful about what stories you tell, <laughs> there's ethical things that I can't tell about that okay. episode. I have to be careful. Okay. So okay, so there was never a death threat. <laughs> Only through you. <laughs> okay. Now, Paul is so relieved that I'm talking about uh, lawsuits with you instead yeah. of him this yeah. week. So everybody give a, give a nice, warm uh, DU welcome to, uh, to Dave. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. I look forward to getting, so tell us about yourself or, I mean, Reed didn't, he just talked about his class uh, so <laughs> experience, didn't even talk I about you, Dave. About so, so, yeah. I know. Uh, well, so Reed and I go back as far as anybody really can go back. We did not share space in the womb, but from boys, our, our lives have been interwoven in so many different ways. Um, I, I could, uh, I'm a talker, so I'll be careful. There are episode after episode after episode. One of the interesting things is we've known each other since third grade. Um, we have sort of led these paths of life that after our first year of college, where we were fraternity brothers, we each went a different direction. I transferred to a different college. He stayed at the UW. And from that point on, our lives sort of uh, touched every four, five, six years. Um, we, we always remained in love uh, and, and connected. Um, and at every different one of these pivotal phases, we would come into contact and it was always warm and friendly um, and, and all. But about a year and a half ago now, we started, um, we connected via the Marco Polo video sharing platform. And I don't think we could even begin to calculate the number of hours that we've sp spent talking to each other since then. That's not the most significant part of our friendship. Our friendship goes back and it goes through what you share with a dear friend when you're going through adolescence, what you, what you talk to with a friend. We used to sit outside in the high school courtyard and have, have lunch almost every day, um, rain or shine. We played on the tennis team. We were, went to the same church. We, we had a, a faith experience in high school that we shared together. We both got kicked out of our fraternity for various sundry and similar reasons. He, uh, he had a crush on my sister and she, and then he ghosted her. Wow. Um, I invented wow. ghosting. You, wow. were, you were the gonna, master. I was gonna say, you I didn't know ghosting OG. was a thing back Listen, then. Not proud you ghosted it. before ghosting was a thing. We were in a, a junior high band with Rex Parrish and he Reed played the guitar, Rex played the drums. And basically I was the stand there looking cue with the, uh, with the tambourine. Uh, so, I mean, at, we were band buddies. We were choir buddies. Uh, we were on the same tennis team. Where do you want to go? That's deep. Well, it is deep. It's, it, That's it's, awesome. it's, uh, he was there. When I, uh, when I graduated from law school, I don't think it was at the graduation ceremony, but when we were throwing people together to come and celebrate, he was uh, one that I wanted there. And, and you know, we, we see each other at some different reunions. That's when you taught me Chinese, Chinese ping, pong. ping pong. Can you say that anymore? No, you can't. No, but I still taught you. 
It's Asian ping pong. Yeah. So uh, like I say, uh, unless you want me to go on a, a, a three hour monologue, I'll just leave that at that. I'm curious about Chinese. What? Just tell me about Chinese ping pong real quick. My family are ping pong players. My dad was a great ping pong player in the service and I don't know anybody who could beat him. And so we, I kind of grew up with a ping pong table in my house and I'm good except when I brag about it and then I run across somebody who's way better, uh, which usually happens. So anyway, at some point, somebody said, hey, you know what's fun? Uh, Chinese ping pong. So you, you get five people, you get 20 people, and you're all circled around there, just one paddle on one end, one paddle on the next end. And it's a passive game where you try to keep the ball going. You hit it, set the paddle down, you move. The next person who's been behind you picks it up. Ah. And, and uh, if you screw up, if you miss it, that's one miss. And normally on your second miss, you're out. And so the, the gang gradually gets uh, winnowed down until there are two people. At that point, you have to just rally, but you set the ball, you set the paddle down after hitting it, spin around, pick it up, and then get ready for the next one. So uh, that's Chinese ping pong. And it's what you do when you've got 20 people over your house, you've been eating, you've burped, you've had dessert and everything else. And you say, hey guys, let's go over to the ping pong room and play. A little like Chinese fire drill. I've done a Chinese fire drill before. I think that's That's probably where they got the the term. Yeah, it's in a car. And anybody from seven to to, to 97 can play, you know? That's awesome. And even if you're out, it's fun to watch. Yeah, and so we we taught it to Monica's family, uh, and and it it lives on. There. You yeah. and not that this podcast is about change ping pong. I'll just throw this at you though. You, yes, it you is. Can, <laughs> yes, it you can. You can participate at any level because it, all you're trying to do is hit it over to the other side. So it, it, no, just yep. one time. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Our new um, sponsor, Chinese ping pong. Oh, thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Paul. It, it's it's it was right about time for a commercial. Um, <laughs> well, you can see why I love Dave. So, Dave, um, you may or may not know that I met these two in grad school, the first day of grad school, and it was the same kind of attraction I have for you. They are nice, funny, and smart. That's all I ask for in a lover or a friend. And I can't describe it any other way. You and I have done probably thousands at this point of hours of Marco Polo, which we call a a podcast for two. Uh, We're we're our biggest fans. And we we never run out of of, uh, boring I tell you what. So the other day, I actually, uh, my younger brother was talking about my father, who was an attorney. He was talking about my father's law desk in his office and he was saying what a fascinating thing it was he just as a kid he'd open up this drawer he'd open up that drawer and what was in there mints uh i don't know what cool stuff and so i had the audacity to show i I thought maybe that my little brother he's my little brother i'm 65 so he's whatever 56 so he's not young um i showed him all throughout every drawer of my desk and the credenza behind it and he was so bored. And I said, listen, this is the kind of stuff that Reed and I share every day. <laughs> and we don't, we do not complain. I can't believe you're not Reed. So uh, it's got, that's why it's a podcast for two. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you've led us, uh, you've fallen into my trap of the first uh, 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 planned topic, and that is when Dave said, these are my mints, these are my 18 pairs of cheater glasses, here's some pencils, I don't use pencils, I'm going to throw those out, here's my bullet, here is, and, and I came back and I said, your bullet, <laughs> Uh, and he thought he had told me this story. And if he had, I wasn't listening. So please, Dave, <laughs> tell your bullet okay. story. So my law office, well, let me, let me back up a teeny bit. So my, my father was a judge. He was a, he was an attorney in Tacoma and he had various offices that moved from place to place. At one point, I think it was in the middle sixties, he moved up into a nice little, um, ethnic neighborhood a couple blocks up the hill from the Pierce County Courthouse. They now call that Tacoma's Hilltop District. And, and the Hilltop District in Tacoma was not a pretty place in the 80s, and it didn't get any prettier in the 90s. But in the 60s and 70s, it was great, close access to the courthouse. So uh, when I changed careers, and I'm not going to tell you about that, but when I became an attorney in, in the early 90s, his practice was still up on the hilltop, it was a rough place. Uh, I had we had I had a little mirrored window on on I, my office looked out onto the street on K Street, and the hookers would come up and and fix their makeup in my window as they'd be looking. And my <laughs> so we had drapes and curtains and chiffons and everything else to kind of make it seem a little bit more sophisticated when when our clients would be sitting there talking to us. Uh, they would bring planters, you know, the, the K Street Improvement District would bring floral planters and, and, and the homeless people would just crap in them. So nothing was was working. And, and the partners kept saying, Hollis, my, my dad, Hollis Small, say, Hollis, who owned the building, we need to find another place for this office. Our clients are not feeling all that. He said, no, it's, this is great. This is a great place. And, and they're bringing in planters. Um, and, and so nothing they could do could. Now he owned the building and was, was right. Right. He was giving them a break, but, but they, he was getting the rent. So of course, no, this is a fantastic place. And, and the tiniest little sign of change, he was saying, it's going to change. Well, anyway, uh, so I became part of the, the firm and, and practiced there a couple of years and there were shootouts and there were, I mean, cop chases and there were, uh, it was just as ugly a place as you want to get, but still my dad's going. This is a wonderful place. One morning I came into my office and I'm walking up to, uh, to my desk and going to rearrange my files. And it looked like over in the, there was dust. And I'm going, what the crap? There's dust on my desk. And I'm kind of wiping it off. And I'm, as I get closer to the window, it's not dust anymore. It's glass shards. And, and then I look up and there's a hole in the, in the window. And I go, oh crap, that look is a rock, what, what's going on? And so I kind of do my little uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff and I'm saying it's coming there and it's gonna go. And I found a mark on the back <laughs> of the wall that would have put the trace of the bullet like right in through here, down through my lungs, into my gizzard and out and hit the wall. And so I kind of get down on my hands and knees and I, I find a bullet. And uh, I went in and told my dad, who's the senior partner, and I'm, but I'm an old attorney because I had a career. So I'm, anyway, I said, dad, look, I got shot at. I, I, I didn't really get shot at. Probably somebody was shooting off, shooting off their six shooters. Uh, but anyway, that bullet was what finally convinced him that maybe it wasn't the best place to be. 
and we moved and we had, you know, so that's my bullet. So I, so I, I put the bullet down in my little uh, paper clip holder and I, it's there, a memento of a wonderful occasion to this day. So that's the bullet story. And I thought everybody knew the bullet story, this side of the, the peacocks. <laughs> The time you didn't die. I, didn't. I thought you bit the bullet or something yeah. like yeah. that. <laughs> I thought there was some other story. Yeah. Too, so, that's a great story. I want to say that for the viewers that Dave's um, hand motions and gestures of his story are excellent. Uh, and they, they don't get to see that because it's just audio. But I mean. <clears throat> so listen, what you're supposed to say as an attorney, say, Your Honor, let the record reflect that the witness is taking his hands up and he's gesturing and uh, above his hand, and he's bringing his arms across the body. Uh, thank right. you. Thank you. Dave, Dave gives me so much insight into the, the practice of law. The other day, he was telling me how you can avoid uh, getting, obje uh, uh, getting hearsay objected to uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're examining uh, one, of your, one of your witnesses. Uh, which we don't have time for. We're almost out of time. But, um, but anyway, it's uh, anything to do with music. Dave is a, is a, is a master musician vocally on trumpet, uh, tambourine, as he mentioned. And so rock, rock, rock tambourine. Rock tambourine, <laughs> and as not opposed gypsy. to Harry Krishna tambourine, or... right? Not we, we we can't say gypsy tambourine anymore, and uh, and someday we will include the the Zoom video, I think, on the podcast. Don't you think? Yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, someday. There we go. Yeah, that's right. With the across gestures, the body. across. The um, <laughs> so so, any questions about music, law, um, comic uh, books? The Holy Spirit. Comic books. Uh, yeah, let's talk comic. Hey, I, I have good news. Yeah. Monica, uh, at, at the insistence of our daughter Savannah, watched all of um, WandaVision with me so far. So one, one episode left, I believe, in this season. And she really dug it. And so then after that finished on, on Disney, it led right into the age of ultra of Ultron. Am I pronouncing mm -hmm. that right? Ultron. Age. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, uh, and she's digging that too. So what do you think? I tell you, all you got to do is get exposed to it. And, uh, and there it goes. Jacqueline, are you a yeah. comic book fan? Uh, the, the Marvel movie fan? It's okay if you're not, I'll just think less of you. I watch, well, I just, I don't know if this is one. I just watched Watchmen. Uh, is that a comic book? Watchmen yeah. by Alan Moore, the preeminent British writer, creator. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so there was um, the series on, was that HBO or Showtime? I forget what, it's a, it's a, it's a series. Well, so it, he, excellent. Yeah, he, he's he's amazing. He's mature. Um, he's not your Disney kind of uh, an author. So his the the Watchmen was his creative. Everybody bows at the altar of Watchmen, not necessarily the movie, but but the, the novel. That counts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I like. Yep, okay. All right. I dabble. And Paul, your your ear. I can't see your ears because of your headphones, but they seem to prick up a little bit. When, when yeah. Well, I, I remember comic books as a kid. Uh, uh, we were into. Uh, in, in, at least among my friends, Sergeant Fury and Sergeant Rock, the war comics, as well as some, uh, you know, 
other ones so but i am familiar with the other marvel superheroes the more mainstream ones and the i could DC i could talk well. to you about sergeant fury if you'd like but again i, I will let i will let reed uh, uh walk us through it but, but i i could i this is free form uh, whatever i, I want to know about sergeant fury well sergeant fury was the typical cliche hard-bitten uh sergeant he every no matter what Episode, uh, adventure he went on at the end of it his clothes were in tatters and he and he had sort of one of these um the the deadly dozen kind of uh group his there was sergeant fury and the howling commandos and uh, <laughs> and so you had a corporal who was dumb dumb dugan who was uh, a strong man in the circus and they had their token black gabe jones who blew the trumpet and they had reb ralston who was a a Southern guy, and there was Dino Manelli, who was the movie star, and he was also part of the Howling Commandos. And okay, so Paul, who am I missing? For twenty-five, <laughs> you know way more than you remember way more than I do. I've forgotten. All You're this. forgetting Izzy Cohen, the uh, the Jewish uh, machinist, auto mechanic. Whoa, so, one of each. Yeah, I know everything, everything, and and lovable but hard bitten Captain Sawyer, too, who always gave Fury. Uh, the hard, hard uh, deal. So. Yeah, that's right. Fury, you're stepping out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, Doug, yeah. You can't. You're gonna be in the brig. Follow the chain of command. <laughs> now, Monica, you know Monica. You all, all, all know Monica, and she was a guest on the podcast. And I told her she asked me today, uh, "Who's who's your who's your special guest today?" And I said, "It's Dave." And she said, "Oh, I hope you can get him to talk." <laughs> <laughs> My my wife is sitting across there, and she just had a big smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> I cut you to the quick. <laughs> I said, Dave. Dave knows who he is. If you want to know anything about Reed, you may you probably know a different Reed than I know. But I we can we can swap stories. Yeah, I want to know the Reed you know. The younger Reed. Well, says that's such an open ended question, and, and I've been blabbing on. Um, but there's third grade read and there's, there's uh, say, well, so third grade, the first thing I, besides the fact that our, our parents ended up going to the same church and we, we went to this little Presbyterian church for years and years. Um, but in school, the fir my first awareness was uh, Mrs. Skirvin's scolding read. She said, read Stell. I hear reports that you've been chasing the girls on the, on the playground and kissing them. If you're going to act like a baby, we're going to treat you like a baby. You are going to be sent down to the first grade classroom until you can act like an older boy. Oh, <laughs> oh Dave, that, that I remember part of that story. Well, tell us, your, tell um, us what you remember. Wow. The part, the part I remember was it was Lisa somebody that I was chasing and kissing. Okay, Lisa Arnold. I was always, I was, I was amorous from the from the beginning. In kindergarten, I had I had a a, a girlfriend that we smooched like crazy. Wow. Her parents were not into it. Mine ignored <laughs> it, um, which is part of the problem, probably. So now, now I do remember being sent down to the first grade class. I thought, what? A terrible punishment. I mean, that's this was embarrassing to me. I thought I would have just died. But how did you handle that? 
Well, uh, the later read, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't suffered as many slings and arrows uh, in third grade as I had, you know, later now. <laughs> so uh, I, what are you going to do, right? You can crumple up. Now, in later years, I'll, I'll, maybe we'll get to that. My, 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 you know, there's fight, flee, freeze, faint, bond, fart. all those fart, all of those <laughs> uh, uh, defense mechanisms from our lizard brain. And so um, I wasn't going to fight. And so I, I fled. I, I fled down to the first grade room. I was very obedient, you know, because I knew because my in in parent-teacher conferences, my father would tell the teachers, now, if he misbehaves, you beat him. And then when he gets home, we'll beat him again. And they would say, okay, we'll note that in his file. And they knew that I had a, you know, that I, I had a lot to, to contend with at home. So they were usually pretty, pretty easy on me. But um, how, what do you do about a third grader running around kissing girls? Well, this stopped me from doing it. So what I did was I went down. I, I, nobody escorted me. I, I was on my honor. I went down to the first grade room. Now, maybe somebody did escort me and I've, I've, I've edited that out. But I got there while they were away for recess or lunch or whatever it was. I went to an empty room and I went inside and I thought, oh, good. Okay, no embarrassment if I'm alone. I love being alone. And, but that only lasted so long. And also, I didn't know how long my sentence was, right? Somebody was going to have to come and get me. So, um, but the teachers talked. They, they knew what, what was up. So the kids arrived with the, with the first grade teacher whom I didn't know because I started in that school in third grade. And when they got in, I had somehow, I don't think I had a clipboard, but I had some sort of paperwork and something to write with. And so I was looking all the, around the room, taking inventory. So I was there on a mission. I was very busy and had nothing to do with being punished or being a, a little perv. Um, and they were looking at me like, what's this big kid up to? He's got business. He must be, uh, he must have a part-time job for the school district. And so I turned it into um, a, a tolerable. If victory. only everybody could respond to punishments with that. Uh, what that. Uh, I mean, that's perfect. That's pretty, of course you didn't learn any lesson. Although I don't remember you still being charged with kissing girls. So maybe it's, no, it, it, it definitely stopped me. I, I, I got the message. I didn't know there was no sign up, you know, to not no. do that. I thought they would be well, complimented, kind of like uh, Governor, uh, what's his name from New York, uh, right? Paul will you touch him on the small of the back. Yeah. They should like that. Paul would verify this, that every boy wishes they could do that. I mean, I did. Uh, I, I, did I didn't have the guts to do it, but. Was I your hero? Dave? I'm not sure at that point. You've been my hero in various areas. But <laughs> I think you're starting at a young age, kindergarten and third grade. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I probably, I, you know, when I liked a girl probably at that age, I probably maybe pulled her hair or did something else stupid yeah. at, at that young age. I wasn't I, probably I, there yet, you know. I chased so. boys and tried to kiss them in mm. like first and second grade. Mm. Uh, I do remember that. Jacqueline, wasn't Jacqueline, just the boys. Jacqueline, yeah. I'm so glad we weren't in the right, same That's school. what I was going to say. That, that wouldn't work if there are many girls like you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
we should have gone to Enum Claw. Some crazy stuff goes on in Enum Claw, apparently, you know. So, do you remember this, Dave? After that, I needed an outlet. I needed attention, um, and so I would sing uh, during recess on the uh, on the monkey bars and on the merry-go-round. I would sing theme songs from uh, uh, Combat, or which doesn't have words probably, <laughs> but I would sing songs from my Disney records and whatever. And nobody asked me to sing. Nobody asked me not to sing, but I would sing at the top of my lungs. But I did get asked to stop doing that as well. From the playground teacher or just your your friends? Yep. 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 Nope. It was, it was an adult. Uh, She either um, her ego clashed with mine or she was trying to protect the, the kids from an overbearing uh, classmate, or she was trying to protect me from embarrassment. I, I don't know, but that that was embarrassing. Because no, I, 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 when she said stop, I thought, geez, I'm just singing. What's wrong with singing, man? Yeah, the Tarzan theme would have been good for the monkey bars, but I don't know about you know mm-hmm. some of the other. No, I, I was. What what did we do at, at recess? We played. Now you were athletic. You were off. You were up in that big field. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. Right. I, I, I didn't play on the monkey bars that much unless it was to push you off. No, I didn't bully anybody. So <laughs> no. So I did get bullied by Sam Reynolds, though. And he was a year younger uh, than us, or else he was held back. <laughs> well, he was he was big. He was than big. Me, I will say yeah. that. And more aggressive. And he's dead now. So who won? <laughs> wow. It's all about wow. Wow. that's yeah. that's dark. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. car- that's about- that's karma, man. That's Whoa. right. Anybody else have any good uh, childhood? No, I want. I want to hear about your guys's uh, uh, college frat times. It sounds like <clears throat> oh you my gosh, an interesting ending. But oh, I'm I'm sure there's careful. lots of uh, good stories. Well, there. so well, maybe less exciting than you think. Both of us were pretty straight arrows at, at that point in our life, and although Reed's arrow got bent a little bit later on, mine. <laughs> I'll show it to you after this. Mine show. was still very straight. Um, we we came, we went through Rush together. We were buddies. We were going, we knew we went to this, you know, so we wanted to be in the same fraternity. I do remember sitting with uh, Howie Hurlbert, what, whoever the pledge guy was. And he said, we don't, we don't, uh, come on, what's the word? We don't, um, haze. Haze? Haze. Um, haze. Uh, it, it, we're all about camaraderie and all that. And uh, so, I mean, <laughs> it seemed like, it, so we, we pledged Delta Upsilon, Dekai Upatheka Justice, our foundation. And, uh, mm. and so uh, we were there and uh, both of us were a little bit of rebels because we, we didn't like the disparate treatment that the, the pledges were, uh, you know, just the, the silly games that upperclassmen play with uh, underclassmen. I think both of us, I've said this to Reed before, I think both of us had a little bit of a stick up our butt because if we yep. would have relaxed and, and kind of just chuckled along with most of it, it would have been fine. But oh, the stick up your ass doesn't hurt if you relax. <laughs> I have found that, that out subsequently. Well, exactly. You got my wife with that one too. So good one, Reed. But, but anyway, so, <laughs> so we complained and we, and we did not understand the politics that is existent everywhere in every sphere of life and certainly in, um, 
in a fraternity. And we just said, this is ridiculous. We should all be working together. And, and uh, around come springtime, they had uh, the ability to blackball you before it was, because Reed and I have a little bit of a different story, but at one point they voted me out. Three out of the 70 or whatever it was said, this Dave Small, we want him out. He, he's just not going along with the program. And to my friend's credit, not this friend over there, but there was an uprising, a virtual uprising. And they said, Dave's a great guy. If you kick him out, we're leaving. We're going to call the donors. We're going to call the, uh, the and uh, so the, the three who had voted me out were brought before the tribunal in some black thing and, and asked, I believe, not to uh, come back. And I was reinstated. But, but Reed has his own story about that. I mean, that doesn't tell you much about being in the fraternity. I mean, it, we played a lot of pool. We shot a lot of baskets. We played ping pong. We had our silly dances, etc. And that was probably pretty standard fare, though. My my grades were abysmal. How, how were yours? Well, first the year? first... So I was honor school, honor studies man. I had good grades in high school. My first quarter of, uh, I got, I, I started out in Spanish. I was getting D's in my Spanish. I was getting D's in my, night, I had a night class history course and there was some ridiculous, there, was a, there were adults in my class who actually knew something about history. I hated it. No I fair. know, I know, experience in life. I ended up with two C's uh, in, in a class and maybe a B minus or something. It was, it was my worst quarter of my entire uh, college thing. So it was hard. Well, all the other fraternities that, I, uh, that I'm aware of had a one quarter uh, pledge period, and then you'd become a member uh, for the second quarter. We did it for two quarters and you had to maintain a C average or something. Yeah. I did not because I got really good at pool. And uh, so I, when everyone got, uh, became member, all the, all my pledge brothers became members, I was held back along with a couple other dump dummies and some upper, some, some of the brothers came and they said, read um, and, some shit had happened up until then. Like we need to go throw so-and-so in the frosh pond, you know, teach him a lesson. I said, I'm not teaching anybody any lessons. Yeah. You know, that's stupid. And they said, Oh, you're not into brotherhood. <laughs> okay. So yeah. that was a, a, a mark against me. So they said, you should petition the membership to, uh, to forego the C uh, GPA requirement and to let you become a member uh, anyway. <laughs> and my answer was, um, no, nah, that's okay. Uh, I'll just bring my grades up. And if I can, I'll become a member. And if I can't, uh, say la vie. And oh, how could he not want to be a member of this, of this august uh, body immediately? So that was another black mark against me. Um, then there was uh, another black mark when I uh, questioned the authority of the, the upperclassman who was in charge of us, someone with an IQ of, you know, 92. Oh, Homer, like Homer Haystack. I hope Homer is listening now. <laughs> and so I was quite frank with my pledge brothers. This fucking idiot shouldn't be in charge of a class of penguins, much less uh, adult humans. 
And so we had this tradition, this awesome psychological uh, healing session called uh, Rat on a Brother. God knows. Right. And so you'd put you'd put somebody in the middle, uh, an, a, 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 a freshman, and then everybody would get to say their complaints against him. And so one of my brothers said, I really didn't like it, Reed, when you called Homer <laughs> Haystack a fucking pinhead, you know, and so that was another black mark against me. So I had so many <laughs> black marks. They had a ding session and I set the record at that time. No one had gotten uh, 10 uh, black balls, uh, dings, they call them. Um, but I did. And uh, nobody came to my rescue uh, and said, <laughs> everybody, you know, we need to go to the alumni association and, and cancel this. What they said was, Reed, you'll, you'll be better off uh, away from here. And I stayed friends with, and let me tell you that it was political, right? The, 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 the power structure, the, the, the board, the president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, were all ROTC conservatives. And they were very much into order. And all my ski buddies- Who were my, my buddies uh, were, as well. Yeah, they were. Your buddies too. We were into <clears throat> chaos or freedom is another way to put it. And so um, it, it was outrageous and, you know, whatever. And, but the beautiful thing was, so I got to call my parents and said, um, dad, remember how you never got let into a fraternity <laughs> and you always wanted me to be in one and that was kind of your <laughs> dream. And well, I just got kicked out. What? Uh, they were so ashamed. And I said, but it's all political. Don't you worry. Um, and it's going to be fine. And, and I've paid through the end of the year. So I have a place to stay. So just don't, you know, don't take it too seriously. Um, well, the, then there was an election and all of the conservatives got thrown out and all of the liberals got voted in. And so the, the, con, the conservative, and so now I'm a thorn in their side. I'm there. I have no responsibilities because I'm no longer in the fraternity, but I've paid rent. So I get to live there uh, and just be uh, obnoxious, which believe me, you know, you know, I know how to do. So they were, I tortured them as much as possible and they caused as much, uh, they tried to undermine the new leadership and the alumni did step in and they ejected those assholes who voted against me. The, the interesting wow. part, and, and as therapists, you guys uh, may have seen this kind of thing, um, the, the the effect of peer pressure on people. One of the things that was irritating for the leaders of the fraternity was that I was this this Christian boy, and and as we would be singing uh, rude uh, songs about women's anatomy, I said, you know, I'm a Christian. I really don't feel comfortable with this. I think it's disrespectful to to women, and, and that just pissed them off because they they read it as judgmental. And so then I had this kind of get kick out kind of a thing. I mean, I, I took different stances throughout the year and I'm not embarrassed of the, about those stances, but somewhere in the middle of the, the time I, I was kicked out and then brought back in. But that undermined my confidence. And I remember by the time we had a pledge retreat, I was leading the, uh, leading the dirty songs and making sex noises with my cheeks. And uh, so, because it was like, I took a stand. I'm glad I took a stand, but man, I'm ducking for cover right now. I was, I was yeah. going with the crowd. 
but I had an interaction with my dad too. Uh, before I was told that I could come back in, I called him the same way and said, dad, I, I can't believe it. I just got kicked out of my fraternity. And he started crying with me. We, we shed tears. And he wrote me, I'd probably get choked up. But he wrote me one of the sweetest letters just about, I'm there for you. We, we're so proud of you, son. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out together. And, and I still got that letter today. Um, oh, that's, that's a great story. There was no judgment. I'm not comparing it to, to Reese. There was a whole bunch of different dynamics, <laughs> but, but uh, sort of to know, hey, the worst could happen. And, and uh, dad, mom are there. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was good. And, and it, uh, I switched schools after that. And I went after this woman who's standing right over there sitting. So anyway, it all was good. Yeah, it sounds like it. The next year, Dave moved to Tacoma. And I, I believe that's where UPS yeah. is. And I moved uh, uh, to a, a five-bedroom house um, in the U District through my network that I had established there at the fraternity and lived with four individuals, uh, a woman and, and three guys, uh, two were from Iowa state DU uh, alumni. They were a little older and, and anyhow, we had a house, uh, a loving, friendly, uh, cooperative house. And I thought, Oh, this is what I was, I was wanting in a living situation we respect each other we have fun together we uh, uphold our responsibilities and there's no uh, no game amazing how it works when it's done right right yeah yeah so uh as many people will tell you when when quote unquote bad things happen to them they end up uh, better off crucible forges who you are your identity oh yes i love it well paul Catch us up on, on your life. I know you've been going through some stuff. Is life uh, evening out for you? Oh, it's been a, it's been a tough year. I got a few friends with cancer and uh, a few friends with COVID and is definitely 2021. Uh, uh, I was hoping it was going to be better than 2020, but so far it's, uh, it's been a r rough year, so to speak. So I'm looking forward to the second half uh, 2021 and being vaccinated so uh yeah been following that uh maybe that. we can we can uh go down and visit Jacqueline again and and take a walk in her giant yeah. yard yeah i'm okay. fortunate hearing your two fraternity stories i uh, i was in a fraternity myself and uh and i definitely remember when when anyone tells you fraternities don't haze uh that's the official party line uh, i have yet to find somebody who who uh does it and um you know we uh we had our own thing and i ended up uh doing a lot of work during hell week and actually uh, i did a lot of the projects uh during hell week in terms of fixing things and painting things and and uh doing that and uh, my my most vivid memory of uh my uh hell week uh was you know they kept you up pretty much you know 24 hours a day for like almost a week and uh, they let you sleep for about 30 minutes and they put these big PV speakers that were probably 24 by 36 or 48 inches by you as you were laying down and they started playing Pink Floyd time with the alarm clocks going off in the beginning. And after you had about 20 minutes sleep in two days. And so I still uh, have some flashbacks from, 
from that when I when I, <laughs> they, when I, when I hear Pink Floyd. That's so sure. funny. So they played Ravel's Bolero almost full time during our hazing. Over and over and yeah. over. A bachelor's over. in music and a master's in conducting. I love Bolero. I love Ravel. But um, when I was mentioning that to Reed, I think he maybe said, hey, he's, you still hate it. Uh, or I, I still, I still, okay, I, I listen to it now and I kind of analyze it and I love how it's put together, but it, it still conjures something in the pit of my stomach that if I focus on it, uh, it's funny. It's good. So anyway, that enough, enough about hazing. Uh, but, but it's funny how music can tie you into a good event, a, a tough event, uh, you know, whatever. Should, should we tell them what the six kinds of farts are? <laughs> Me, you, and me. We both, we both, we we remember them, right? Um, it, no. Okay, uh, let me help you. Fizz, fuzz, fuzzy fizz, rip shit, tear ass, and the kind that goes poo. Was was that a fraternity thing? That was part of Hell Week. We oh. had to we had to yell that at the top of our lungs whenever we were. I asked. grew up in a family that did not acknowledge that farts existed, and so. I think that uh, that that has now left me. So, well, P Paul, when you talk about doing construction during Hell Week, that sounds productive. We had to get behind a white screen with a light behind us and pantomime uh, gay sex. What do you think about that? Oh, the, yeah, yeah that's, that that's was how... hilarious. Oh, great entertainment for mm. the big boys, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, mm, we were more sent on. Uh, we were more sent on running around campus, uh, and then running around doing a. F we essentially did a food drive, and we had oh to my gosh, food. We had to pick how up food embarrassing! But but they would literally they would literally you know chase us, and you know if you were lucky, uh, it's the only time I've ever ran ran that that long. And they occasionally, when you get tired, they throw you in the back of the van for a little bit, you know, and then. To keep you going but it was you know they basically they worked you pretty hard and there was positive stuff there was a lot of painting and you know a lot of cleaning up and a lot of you know you're such an organizational man did you be did you run for office later uh i was the house manager yes for two years and i was uh so yes i i did but as far as being an organizational man uh that also got me my own room which was uh mm -hmm. key for me to have my own uh room because i had a dog yes. too so, and I had to get the fraternity to agree to have dogs. They, they, they were on and off about dogs, but. Uh, you made it happen. Yeah, I made it happen, exactly. And so What's I have, the name I have fraternity? Good, Lambda Chi Alpha. There's one at UW as lamb well. Lamb chops. Yeah. And so yes, I was a lamb chop. sworn enemies. They've been, they've been trying to get me to do something at the UW too. They needed some help. But I, again, going back to like, you know, fraternities these days, the, it's generally, um, you know, the, the Greek system has been under fire from universities almost everywhere. And it's really kind of sad yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, a few incidents basically give every, every positive part of fraternities a bad name in some ways. Yeah. So um, we didn't have any alcohol related deaths in ours, but we did have a lot of vomit. Yeah, I could say the same thing about we didn't have any death, but there was some there was definitely some uh, over, over consumption of alcohol mm -hmm. at various points and probably a few other things that uh caused cause issues and you know in my Jacqueline. fraternity you know go ahead you're 
Oh, I was just saying that the other thing that happened is, you know, as I would have to deal with, you know, people getting pushed through walls or, you know, the guys who get a little too drunk or, 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 or otherwise, uh, and they take the hinges off the, the, the kitchen door and raid the refrigerator and, you know, and, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Now that sounds like good, clean fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Community project. Until you realize the refrigerator is huge. Yeah. yeah. So. Jacqueline, uh, you went to uh, Eastern or Central. Central or Central, and I'm I'm listening to all your experiences because I had to. I only saw a fraternity or experienced one maybe maybe once or twice. We went over to Washington State, and you're bringing back some not so so positive memories because I I thought of fraternities and just it was something that you know, it was just so foreign. I'd, I'd never experienced it. And so it wasn't until maybe my junior year of college that I ended up going to Washington state and actually like, it felt like I was on Mars and I was observing Martians as far as like, what is all this Greek letter? Like, what are they, uh, you're living together, but you're doing all of this. I mean, and it's just disgusting. I went to my cousin's, <laughs> um, frat. It was, it was, it was so bad, you guys. The carpet was like just wet and sticky. When, um, Jacqueline, what was your living situation in your first two years at, at Central? My cousin, um, she got me into this, uh, I guess, more sophomore, junior kinds of dorms. And so we had we had our own, you know, exit, which if in the dorms, you're part of the whole hallway and you're sharing bathrooms and stuff. Well, we had our own bathroom. Um, so I didn't get the real freshman experience, but I don't think I really missed much. It was kind of nice to um, have our own spot and to live with my cousin. And we lived with another girl too, who was speaking of Christian. Um, she was very Christian. And I mean, I was Christian at the time and, but I still was kind of like Reed. I liked my freedom and a little bit of chaos. And so a good friend of mine from high school also went to our school and he really liked to screw with her because she was just so straight arrow. And I still remember this, and this is a great little prank he did. He had um, printed out a bunch of um, uh, well-endowed African-American men um, naked and cut out these pictures and then had taped them underneath in the roll of toilet paper. So when she would go to the bathroom, she would find these naked men in the toilet paper roll. Um, so although not a fraternity experience, we, we still did a little bit of hazing. <laughs> that does sound like very hazing. And that's <laughs> politically incorrect. <laughs> well, you know, so I think all the words I said were correct. Yeah, they were, they were, they were correct. But I, that wow. sounds, that sounds good natured. And, and, uh, you know, whatever one's faith, if you can't just sort of chuckle at that, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. Right. Yeah. She, she had a hard time. She was so, she had a list of 30 things that she needed in a husband. I mean, and wow. just to interesting to be roommates with someone who was just so different from myself where I, I couldn't even sneak a, a boy in, you know, I, I wish I could have, but yeah. So she had the rules before the rules existed and then some, that's right. What was your major Jacqueline? I was a communication studies. I couldn't really, I, I liked the public speaking act, but I didn't want to be, go into public speaking. I liked the journalism. So there was, and I liked there. Were, so it was kind of a new thing that we created. Um, a, a few, like I think the year that I was there. So it's kind of communication. Um, 
but with more, we got to decide more, uh, pick some different kinds of classes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's funny when I look back and I think of what a stupid degree it was. <laughs> um, but I mean, I really enjoy writing. I, I, there's components of that, like the journalism and media and a lot of the different things. Well, and here we are. Yeah, I was going to say, right? I prepared you. So well. are, you, are you an <laughs> stupid so. question? Are you an active therapist? Do you have clients that you see daily, weekly? I don't know what would be better than communications. I mean, I know that communications doesn't just sit right. there and say, let's learn how to communicate. But uh, to me, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a lot of nonverbal. I mean, I, we did whole books on nonverbal communication. My professor wrote it and it's so it, it yeah, I am an active therapist now. And it's, I didn't think, I didn't know what my trajectory was going to be after that. So there was maybe a year or so where I just was uh, really feeling like a leaf blowing in the wind. But when I did land in, um, it, it, I don't know, it, I, I really found a home in counseling psychology but at the same time, I think because, you know, it's, you're supposed to get out of college with this degree and you're supposed to do something. And I didn't have that. So I really felt like it was just kind of yes. worthless when in, in actuality, I, it I don't know, join the club um, for, with most people. I mean, read yours was a business degree, right? Yep. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and my wife earned a business degree, UPS, and you get that degree and then you just have to, there's no yellow brick road that leads right to one particular thing. And then read, you did right. listen, you guys, here's the thing you need to do to read. So I, I he has had <laughs> literally 300 jobs and, and every, as we talked together, he says, you know, that was the time when I used to be a nails salesman. Um, and, and then he'll say, no, this is, I was a parking lot attendant. No, I was in vocational counseling. Um, I mean, it just keeps going. And I, and I have, I have tasked him to give me a timeline. And I said, you can make, I don't care, cut out six feet if you need of, of butcher paper. And I want to see when you did all these jobs. Because he, he has done countless jobs in countless settings. And I, I mean, I think that had to prepare him to be the good therapist he is right now. So right. wonderful life experience, but did his college degree prepare him to do any of those? Pro no. Right. My college degree uh, got me my job. Uh, my first job after college was as a projectionist at a recording studio in Burbank, California. And I'd been, I knew how to operate one of those um, arc light uh, project, 35 millimeter projectors at the movie house in the U district as a, as a school job um, now called uh, 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 the grand illusion, if it's still there, 99 seats. And so when I applied for this job at B and B sound, they were impressed that I had finished a college degree. That meant that I could do what I was told for four years <laughs> in a row. And uh, that, you know, that's, that's what I got. They, they were impressed with your degree, but it wasn't necessarily the business degree. You could have gotten your degree in animal that's husbandry right. or uh, you bet. philosophy. Communication studies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Not that, not yeah. that degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that one. Gross. Yeah. And that led to every other, every other job. Not necessarily in a linear yeah. <laughs> path. 
Well, and I was uh, avoiding doing this job uh, the, the whole time in junior high uh, up there at Goodman Middle School, seventh grade. I wanted to be a therapist and I read books from the 1930s on mental illness on, on my, in my free time in the library. And um, uh, in college, I did well in my, all the psychology classes I took, but I knew that with a bachelor's degree, I, I couldn't do the therapy that I wanted to do. And so I just uh, gave up and I hated school. I was a terrible student and uh, you know, not psychologically fit to really be among people. And so uh, I, I put that aside from age 19 to uh, 49. Don't you think that, no, how, don't you? How old, wait, how, somebody do the math. Dave, how old were you in 19, in 2006? Well, in 2005, 51? I was 50 because I was, was born in 55. Yeah. So I would have been 2006, I was 51. Okay. Yeah. So that's how long it took me to uh, not be able to stand bouncing from job to job to job. Don't job you think though that that's that stuff, all those jobs made you at age 51, a different person than you would have been had you not experienced those things? Yes, of course. I, I, I do acknowledge that. So you weren't really yeah. avoiding it. You were preparing for it. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. I love the, re love the reframe. He could be a therapist for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do you ever feel like you're therapizing your clients, Dave, when they come in and they say, uh, my I work for uh, ABC company and I I uh I hurt my butt on the on the office chair. And I'm disabled now, and I want them to uh, pay. I try not to. I I try to do two things at the same time. I I want there to be a human connection so that they know that I respect them as a human. But in my job, I don't want to care about their humanity. I want to know about the strengths and weaknesses of their case. It I have represented assholes and I've represented saints and I've represented people whose injuries have barely been a blip on their lives because they had so many support systems. And I've represented people who had such fragile lives to begin with that this, this other small injury just ripped them. But I can't, I don't want to have to even think about that. I just want to say, here's what the med. I represent injured and disabled people. And I say that I am this hired gun, not in the fact that you can pay me to do, but you're going to hire me to, to fight a battle. In, in my area of the law, doctor's records and doctor's opinions are my ammo. And so if, if I've got it, I'm dangerous. If I don't, I'm that little five-year-old with the pop guns in the backyard, making a whole lot of noise and causing no damage. So really, I try to, the, the phrase is, I try to keep that arm's length relationship with the client uh, while still saying to them, yes, I know this is frustrating. Yes, I know it's disappointing that your doctor does not think that there's a causal relationship between your low back herniation and the 40 years you worked as a butcher. What can I say? That's not his opinion. 
So I. Is that something that you've, um, you learned over time? Was there a time where you didn't have that arm's length uh, part of your. Yes. Uh, A tragedy. Uh, And I don't, I I use the word tragedy as greatly hyperbolic. Um, My first year and second year of teaching, I was just out of college. I was a baby faced 22 year old. I remember and teaching high school down in Elma, Washington, high school choir. I was the wrestling coach, the tennis coach, and the high school choir director. I would get kicked out of the lunch line because the cooks thought I was taking cuts, even though the teachers were supposed to get to go to the front of the line to get, they'd say, hey, kid, get to the back. I, I teach here. <laughs> so, and I, I, I'm still a person of faith. I was still, uh, I was a, a, a Christian back there. I'd worked with uh, high school kids when I was in college in, in the young life setting. And part of that whole thing during college was trying to build a relationship, someone rather than be that guy on the corner handing out tracks saying, Jesus loves you. How about buy the right to be heard by being a friend and by being supported? And then after that, if, if you can share a word or something great. So that works great if you're a young life leader, but the moment you're an authority figure as a teacher and you're trying to touch lives on a human level, oh my gosh, I just, they were so confused by me because they'd tell me the girlfriend problems and they'd this and then I'd say, yes, yes. And then we'd be in class and I'd need them to be quiet. <laughs> I need them to cooperate. And uh, I, they didn't know which way to go. And so that was a, a terrible use of human relationships. The teacher is supposed to inspire, but you're not supposed to be a buddy. And, and that, that set a situation for me in those first two years down in Elma. Excuse me, I just lost control of the, of the choirs because they didn't know what to make of me. I was this hybrid teacher friend, spiritual advisor, coach, jerk. So I went back and did my master's after that. And I said, I'm going to do it differently next time. And no, the same components would not have been working in law. But I think I kind of kept that. I need to keep one hat on at the same time. And that's that's my professional hat. And uh, let's keep it separate. Yeah, that's an important lesson you learned pretty early I got eaten on in up. your career. They hated me because they they loved yeah. me, and then I then I tried to tell them what to do, and so they hated me. I ended up quitting. I was my senior year. Well, doesn't matter. I was I was senior year fast pitch. Um, I my best friend and I were going to be co captains. Um, we probably would have went to state, but we both quit because of him because it was just so confusing uncomfortable he was our friend I don't know it was it was weird Mm. I still I guess I still have some kind of uncomfortable I don't know I I also probably have some guilt about how we handled it we didn't we could have handled it better too yeah you were just kids that's true we were just dang kids well and Dave was just a kid we're all just dang kids we're we're still just kids yeah a lot of people are still kids and adult Uh, yeah teachers have to figure out who they are. Therapists have to, right. uh, you guys can't be buddies to your, your client. Well, we, we have to join in. If they're, if they're delusional, we can't say uh, you're a, you're a nut and I'm sane 
and I'm going to tell you how to live. Now, that just doesn't work. But we do sometimes have to lay it on the line. We don't say um, your doctor says, you know, doesn't agree that your 40 years of, of butchery uh, cause, causes your pain. But we do have to say your relationship with your mother is never going to get better if you keep yeah. doing it this way. And that's just objective. That's not my opinion. That is really obvious to your, all your friends tell you this. And I'm telling you too, and I'm not going to be offended if you, if you keep doing it, but just know that, that, that just is know. The cure. Yeah. You're, I'm not going to cure you. You are. Well, attorneys have to say something very similar. I mean, I, I'm not, I can't make my clients do anything. I can say, here are your options. You can choose it. I've set the table. If you want to eat that meal, fine. If you don't, here's what's going to happen or here's what's going to happen. And, and then, I mean, I'm, I'm basically hired by somebody so uh, I can tell them and guess what they get to do. <laughs> well, we have all these great jokes and all these great opinions about sharks and, and, and attorneys having re these relationships. Um, but I'll tell you, when I needed my attorney recently and he said, just pay the money, <laughs> Uh, I really appreciated his perspective and his experience and I trusted him because yeah. I was too in it. It was a paternity case. You guys wouldn't be interested. <laughs> it could have been so many, money. could have been so many different. <laughs> I, I want to know this. So Reed and I go back to ever and we, sometimes those friends you have, you, you leave behind uh, for various reasons. Um, Sometimes you bring them with you and you come together. Do either one of you guys have that, that lifetime buddy um, that you're still around, you still enjoy being with and all that? I still have most of my uh, friends and I have a couple of friends from when, uh, you know, when I was, you know, essentially, you know, kindergarten all the way through till today. And so uh, I've been very fortunate and uh, like the average length of, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but like Jacqueline and Reed are some of my newer friends. If I really look at the average length of my friends uh, from, for men, it's, it's, it's about 30 years. And for women, it's, it's, it's uh, over 20. And then it averages about to be 25 or 26. Um, and so I, I tend to keep my friends and I, I value that so much because um they know me and I know them and, you know, a few of them, you know, politics and other things, people have gotten upset, but I tell people I'm not throwing away a, a 20 to 30 year relationship over politics or, or differences of opinion. I just like, if you want to ditch me, that's one thing, but I'm not, ditching, I'm not ditching any of my friends, period. It's like, you know, it's almost to like death do his part as far as our friends. Now we have disagreements, even Reed and Jacqueline and I have, have our little uh, disagreements here and there, which um, I appreciate them uh, uh, for hanging with me too. Cause I, some days I'm, I'm, I'm harder to be with than others, obviously. But um, I just, I just value friendship at such a deep level that, um, you know, uh, that I appreciate uh, people and I appreciate uh, long, long relationships. It's just, you know, it's, I'm open to new relationships, but for the most part, I, uh, I limit myself to a certain number of, of friendships simply because uh, I don't have time for, 
you know, it's, it's a quality and quantity. One of my favorite books is C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. And he's got such a wonderful chapter on friendship, philios. And uh, I wish I could come up with the exact quote, but he says, one of the, one of the sweet things about a really good friendship is you both feel that you are in the presence of your better. Um, And um, Mm -hmm. I think Reed and I feel that about each other. Each one of us, uh, he has things Mm -hmm. that he does so well uh, and that I admire and, and, uh, and I think it's, it's mutual. So uh, that's a a good thing about friendship. It's not just one way where you, where the things going on around your, isn't this a great group that I get to be in? You know, isn't this a great friendship that I get to be in? When, yeah. when it's each person thinking you're with that guy who's a little bit cooler, a little bit nicer, a little bit sharper than, than you. It's also a choice. I mean, you guys have stayed friendships. Like there's nothing holding you guys together, but your own choice and your own, you know, willingness to, to participate. We, in, we know where the bodies are buried. Friendship. So that might be one thing. So maybe we have to stick together. <laughs> uh, I knew these bodies had to come in. No matter what I try to do, there's always some bodies that seem to be buried somewhere oh, that someone Dave. brings up. <laughs> Dave, so. you have no idea the secrets that we are holding for Paul. <laughs> Jacqueline, you started to say something about. Oh, um, it was something else. But yeah, I, I was just thinking of a couple different friends. I mean, when you talk about kind of your better half, I have a girlfriend like that. And I mean, I called her today and, and she just, she can get me pointed back North within seconds, you know, it's just, she just speaks to a deeper part in me that, um, I just need, and I can, and I know, and I'm just so grateful that we were able to get to that point because sometimes, at least for me in female relationships, I've had a real struggle. Um, there's been some like ruptures kind of earlier on, um, with a, in, yeah, just female relationships have been tough for me. Um, so to have one where we kind of broke through that barrier of whatever the comparison and security stuff, and we're just, you know, it's just smooth sailing all the time. And I and I love it. I, I love that she can come to me with something that's, you know, uh, big deal things. And within, you know, an hour of a good friend talk, we can be back right again. Um, so that's, that's been excellent. But I also have, so I moved down to um, uh, Bonnie Lake area and a girlfriend of mine who I've known since I was six years old. I remember we, we grew up in the country in Inumclaw. So there was just, you know, nothing around except for a lot of horses and cows and maybe a, a house like way across the field. But um, she ended up moving right next door when I was six years old. And I mean, it was really nice to have that just um kind of grounding in the middle of nowhere so um she lives about 10 minutes away and I got in touch with her last week and every so often we kind of you know we go apart for a few years and then we'll message so I'm excited for her to come over and uh meet my my new daughter and my husband and just to see um so you're goes. a young mom. How how old is your daughter? She is 15 months. You're just you're just starting out, aren't you? Just starting out. Yeah, I'm on the I'm I'm 39, so I'm on the latter end of all of this. So I've got to watch a lot of people screw up, um, which has been really <laughs> um, nice. And and then to see myself screw up too has been. There's going to be lots more screw ups <laughs> as you go on, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
I raised, I raised, I raised four. Yeah. I think I had my, we had our first, my first wife and I had had our first child when I was 30 and my last child when I was 40. And uh, so, I mean, okay. I know what it is to be 39 or 40 and have a, have a young one run around. I think for me, that was the perfect time. And although there's things that I don't get to have being a, you know, a 25 year old or 30 year old mom, there's a lot that I get to be having a, I mean, a 30, 39 year old mom. So it's, it's a give and take either way. Um, but just to kind of be where we are at in life and to be able to give so much to her and time. And especially with COVID, you know, we've, my husband's been able to work from home. And so a lot of the things that as a stay at home mom would have been a lot tougher have just been really nice because he's here. I've heard, I listened to a couple of your other podcasts just to sort of get a feel for the general guest treatment that I might receive. Um, but but I had to chuckle because you guys treat Reed like he's this old guy. And of course, I, I, I'm a few months older than him. So he's like my little brother. Um, but at, at the uh, cliche old guy thing that I felt like saying to you with your is, is, is something everybody knows, though, but there's nothing that is really more fun, exciting, rewarding than having kids. And it's also there's nothing more humbling. And so, you, you know, you're going to just make mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's still going to be okay, you know? Yeah, I, I see that. And I, I mean, I, I think I'm, and when I say mistakes, it's like, I have such a great support. Like there's a lot of support out there currently. I've talked about peps groups before, but it's a parent support group. There's seven other couples with kids the same age as us that we joined together when they were three months old. So it's, you just don't have very far to fall. Um, at least I feel that way. And if I'm, you know, we just weaned her off of a bottle, which we're probably a little past the time oh, to do so, hmm. but it felt so it was torturous, you know, to, to see her just, I mean, she's an addict. We, we put the bottle in the microwave and she like is counting with her hand and she's so joyful and, and to take that away from her is just, Oh, it, but you know, I mean, it's, it's for her, uh, it's, it's, it's for her best development. So we got to do it, but well, I can tell you a little bit about Jacqueline as a mother and, and it, you may not know she's married to the dorm. And he got, he got his own treatment uh, in one of your podcasts. Well, <laughs> so oh, this, I did, okay. I did my homework. Yes. And there, thank you. Yeah, you I appreciate it. Well, they're, they're a great couple and great parents. And I got to take, uh, I've spent a little time with them. And one time when we were taking a walk around Green Lake uh, with their daughter, um, we, uh, they, they decided to mess with her. What, she wanted to get out of her stroller and it was um, fall. So it was, it was nice weather and the grass was cool and it was great for crawling and all that. And so she, she got out and she was crawling around the grass. And I think all three of us sort of spontaneously decided to just leave her there. <laughs> As a as a Skinnerian uh, or or maybe Pia Piagetian uh, experiment, and so we just started walking away, and she just watched us walk away. She was she was so secure; she knew <laughs> that we were bullshitting her, and that it was all wow. No fun. separation anxiety. Normally, that separation, yeah. or she really, was too young really to know what separation anxiety was, or she was too old. That's <laughs> probably true too. The separation anxiety comes from the parent when their kid starts getting 
you know, they're like this half a football field right. away and you're going, what do I do? I need it. I, well, so, so Reed can probably tell you this. I don't know, Paul, uh, you haven't, haven't mentioned your family situation, but I know Reed, Reed's kids and my kids are grown. And so when, when you've raised them and they are sharp, humorous people who can make fun, make loving fun of the things that the rules that you set and, and tease you for, I can't believe yeah. you told us this. Um, and I, so I'm just getting it from all corners right now as they, as they, they love me, but they say, what was with that blanket rule, dad? I'd have a girlfriend over and you said, no, putting a blanket over both of you. And I said, cause I know what goes on under blankets. And so, yeah, but but anyway, so I have two boys. Good, good natured teasing about. I can't believe that was a rule. What was what was behind that? That's kind of fun. I can tell you right now, neither Dave nor I is going to broach the most tender, uh, succulent subjects. We could <laughs> we could do that off the air sometime, but but we could um, we could you know I did make some notes. I I, I have a bullet Go story. For it. How about that? Would you like to hear my ballister? Okay. <laughs> so when Dave mentioned his uh, bullet, when he told me his bullet story, it reminded me, oh man, bullets are a big deal in our culture, you know, for so many reasons. I'm not a gun owner. I'm not opposed to owning a gun. Monica probably definitely would be, but if I wanted to, she'd, we'd, we'd talk it out and I would do it. So when I was living in California, no, I wasn't living there. I was staying there for the summer. So this would have been about the summer, uh, one of my college years, 75 or so. So I, was, I wasn't quite a virgin anymore. I was wanting to explore and quote unquote date and uh, get as much tail as possible. And I somehow met a girl down there. I was living with my uncle who was later imprisoned for his sexuality. And I went out with her. I didn't drink at the time. Um, I didn't drink until after college. So we were just out driving, just sort of flirting. And you know, it's that uncomfortable thing where you're sort of, getting to know someone and you'd like to know them as a sex object, but you'd like them to think that, you, that, that you'd like to know them as a human and, but, and you don't know how to do it. And, and so I don't remember her name. I don't exactly remember what she looks like, except she was slender and maybe blonde ish. And we were out driving and we said, um, and we parked and we said, you know, should we take a walk? So I'm thinking, yeah, we'll walk into some tall grass and then maybe, maybe things will lead. Maybe she'll let me escalate or maybe she'll uh, make a move or, you know, I was lost. And so we, uh, I didn't know what would happen. I wanted good things to happen. And we started walking. We just, we just walked away from the car, away from the road, up into, the, up into this field, these, these crops. And we sat down. Now, a lot of stories would, ha would have us opening beers or something, but that wasn't part of it. We were just sitting and talking, looking at the stars. And 
all of a sudden we hear a sound that if you've never heard it before, you know what it is. Doesn't sound like the movies. It is the sound of a bullet going over your head. There's There's sort of a pop in the distance and then a and the wind sort of, you know, moves your hair and the, the grass around you. And we got up and we moved so fast off of that guy's property back to the car. That's and, sort of uh, dampened libido, wow. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely uh, shifted <laughs> The blood drains from every place. <laughs> <laughs> That's known as flight. Um, as far as one of the before right? <laughs> there you go yes yes we've gotten back to the amygdala yes. maybe a little far that's a better too. story than my bullet story but what i didn't tell you is after i found this then this girl walks into my office no i'm just oh. <laughs> trying to beat your bullet story but i can't <laughs> well it, if we had had time tonight i would have told you victor's one of his many bullet stories, but there's one that I witnessed with him. Uh, Victor was our was our third grade classmate. Who you talk about our paths diverging? There's a there's there's three paths diverge in the woods, and he had more potential than both of us put together, and realized um, none of it. Perhaps um, yeah. <laughs> realized none of it. Yeah. And if he were listening to this, I wouldn't mind him hearing it. You know, I think the world of him and, uh, you know, he, there, uh, there's a lot of luck involved in, sure. in uh, life and choices. And you put those two together and they can, they can make you Elon Musk or they can make you. Um, Where is he today? I mean, you said he's in Texas. He's in, he's in a little town called Como, Texas uh the 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 uh the nearest town with a walmart is silver springs sulfur springs sorry and he um uh is is got a uh what do you call it? Uh, is it a pension is he on social security you get from the, the military if you're just say yeah he's he's disabled he's he's okay. got a psych so, disability which is which is uh-huh. a field of live practice and I want to throw this in just in case Vic ever hears this podcast. I really have no, nothing negative when I said you could be Elton Musk or you could be Vic. It's just he would say himself, he has had a tough life. You know, it has been the flip, right. the flip side of the coin. Yes. And I don't think that. And he doesn't have a computer or a smartphone. So I think we're good. Well, I would. I would love to have him on the podcast, but it's just technologically not possible. He is as funny as Dave is. This guy is a riot. He, um, and it's all dark humor. You know, it's all about anger and wanting to kill people. And, uh, you know, being, it's a real knee slapper. He, yeah, he's a <laughs> Vietnam, Vietnam era vet. Mm. So he had his own traumas at Fort Lewis. Um, but he, when he was so f- freezing cold, him and his dog during this, during this failure of, of the Texas government to protect their citizens, because, you know, people should stand up on their own hind legs, really. Uh, he went to his neighbor and he got some um, food and some whiskey and some weed and uh, was, you know, was 
was treated very, very well, very neighborly. And, and I said, Victor, uh, this is the first time I've heard of you getting along with a neighbor. And he said, well, this neighbor's crazy. So that's Victor. So I'll, I, I, obviously we're at the, we're towards or at or past the end of this. Yeah. Um, again, you guys, there are stories to be told about Reed's tennis prowess and his, his, uh, his famous lob defense. And there's, there's stories to be told about uh, sophomore Reed football player and us sitting at the end of the bench and trying not to be seen. And there's lots of stories, lots of stories about the exact, him opening up the exact same lunch every day. His mother would pack him a fantastic, I mean, just, so there's, there's lots more. This is not my, my, uh, my uh, trying to get on the podcast, but fascinating guy. And, and you guys, you guys know him, but, uh, but I think the thing that is most fun for me is, is in our ongoing Marco Polo. And I think I see it on his side, but almost always when we start our, our, our little polo uh, recording, we're smiling because we've just heard something that the other person said that either intrigues us or has made us laugh. And, and, and uh, like you say, you, you want to be smart, you want to be funny. And I think we have some kind of a mutual appreciation. And, and so if you looked at the beginning of most of our podcasts, it would be somebody sort of getting over a chuckle and saying, wait a minute, I want to, I want to point this out. I want to point that out. So um, that's, that's a wonderful little bond. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this has been a delight to be on your podcast. Uh, you guys are all uh, sweet, interesting people. I'd love to get to know you more. Um, and, Jacqueline, what a sweet face! You you look very, <laughs> very nice, and and Paul, your face is sweet too. So, not compared to Jacqueline, no, she's all that. No, really, choice. the sweetness is right there. But anyway, I appreciated uh, being able to take part today. Well, we normally in, in, uh, end a end a podcast by letting the guests know that you know we'd love to have them on again but i think we'll just say <laughs> okay. farewell my wife's saying good call <laughs> oh, well, too funny. Too funny. <laughs> well i want to go and have a beer yeah and at some point because i Absolutely. think i want to hear the more uh the other stories that i'm i want to play tennis with Reed yeah. now about this yeah. lob yeah. thing i want to you know I want to play ride. ping pong. I would Chinese ping pong. I would love. I would love to do so it. Yes. Uh, so when the pen, I've had both my shots, so I can't give you rabies anymore. Uh, but I'd love to have a beer with you guys sometime. Guaranteed. We will. We will absolutely yeah. do it yeah. in the aftertimes. So yeah, nice to meet my you, pleasure. Pleasure. All right. Cheers, everyone. Having an office in Tacoma sounded like exciting times. I'm still looking for my bullet story. Seems as though everyone has one these days. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Check out Living Room Therapy on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you here next time. Why are we here? Why don't we know? What keeps us running? Are we really all alone? Where did we come from? If you keep on looking back, you finally get to nothing, and nothing can come from that. And I'll keep wandering in the shadows, keep on searching for the way. I'll keep
into the black and fade away I'm going out with my heart burning And loving to my final day